0: This week's reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Now on that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, Mouse, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had just happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And when he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these past days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is the prophet of a mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people. And now... Our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of the group astounded us. They were in a tomb early this morning. And when they could not find his body there, they came back and told us they indeed seen visions of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he sent them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all those prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. were our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and their companions gathered together they were saying the lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon then they told what had happened on the road and how they had been kn- and how he'd been how how he had made them known in the breaking of the bread friends This is the way of the Lord.
1: So on this third Sunday of Easter, the creators of our lectionary bring us yet another version of the stories of what happened in the aftermath of Easter morning. They just really want us to make sure we understand and know What Jesus' followers are doing, how they are reacting to the news of his death and resurrection. Today's version from the Gospel of Luke finds us on the road from Jerusalem to the town of Emmaus. If you're looking for Emmaus on the map, it's not that easy to find. It's sort of kind of an ambiguous place. But the text tells us it's about seven miles from Jerusalem. So even before I became active in the church and really began to read the Bible, I knew about this story, about this journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I knew it because one of the friends of my high school, one of the fathers of my high school friends, used to tell me all the time about this men's retreat that he was so proud of and that he went to every year. It was called the Emmaus Road. And he helped to organize it and it brought together men for the weekend and they were paired up together and they would meet and actually begin the journey of the weekend by driving to the camp together in their car. It was a weekend of conversation and spiritual exploration designed to help these men deepen their spiritual journeys. My friend's dad was so proud to tell me that this retreat brought together men from all walks of life. Contractors and doctors, waiters and lawyers, truckers and teachers, and they all gathered and together explored their relationship with Jesus and talked about the many different issues that were present in their life and how those opened them and kept them from seeing Jesus. They brought all of their doubts, all of their questions, all of their lived experiences to the retreat. And the goal was to help them find Jesus present in their lives. So while I had issues with some of the tactics that this Baptist father would use on these retreats, the basic idea of that retreat It's sort of what happened on that road to Emmaus so long ago. So I can understand it. You see, Cleopas and another follower of Jesus needed space. They needed space to think through what they have just seen and heard about Jesus. They were leaving Jerusalem, walking to Emmaus. A community, again, that the text tells us is seven miles from the holy city. I don't know about you, but I find that by walking or traveling, it gives my brain the space I need to gain some much-needed perspective. I use that time to think through the events that have happened in my life that are weighing on my mind. And having someone along for that journey is usually usually a gift. So there are Cleopas and his friend using this long walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus to process their own confusion following the death of the one in whom they had placed their hopes and dreams. They used this long walk to process the puzzlement that they were feeling surrounding the claims of the women who went to the tomb that morning only to find it empty. They needed that walk. Some followers heard that news that the tomb was empty and it lifted their hearts and lit them up with hope. They believed that Jesus was raised right from the start. But for many others, like Cleopas and his friend, they needed that walk. They needed to think it through. They needed to try and understand it. Can you all relate to that? I feel like I would be one of those that needed the walk. They needed to worry about the details of these stories in their hearts. Because the amazing grace of this new reality, of that empty tomb, had not quite settled in their souls yet. They needed to create space for that to seep in and take hold. So there they are, out there on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, discussing everything, holding up everything that they knew and had heard and seen and looking at it from every angle possible, trying to make sense of it trying to make sense of what the empty tomb meant. Trying to make sense of the fact that their teacher, their prophet, their Messiah had died and now his tomb was empty. As they're doing that work together, as they're talking about it, a stranger begins to shadow their journey. You know, walk just close to the edge of their conversation. Close enough to hear what they were talking about, but not too close so that they would actually stop talking because they might worry about who's overhearing the conversation. The text tells us that the stranger was Jesus so that we know what's going on. But it also tells us that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I have not seen a great explanation of what this part of the story means. Did Jesus keep them from recognizing him on purpose? Did Jesus just let them walk on their own, not knowing what was going on? If so, why? Many theologians have talked about this in many different books, and none of it really makes sense. I was hoping it would, because I spent the week thinking about that phrase. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. But I began to wonder if their own issues, not Jesus, was the cause of their limited understanding, of their inability to recognize the truth that was right in front of them. Was it their own doubt Their own grief over what had happened to their friend and teacher? Was it their own questions and their own fear that kept them from recognizing Jesus who was walking with them the whole time? How many times have I not sensed the presence of God with me when I have been sad, when I have been grieving? When I have been too scared to really see what was coming next? When I have been too busy? When did I not recognize Jesus' healing presence in the people who had gathered around me during those times in my life? How often has that happened to you? where your eyes were kept from recognizing Christ's presence because of the depth of the feelings that were going on in your life. So there they are walking, not recognizing the truth that lingers at their side. And Jesus asks, What are y'all talking about? And his question snaps them to attention. It literally brings them to a halt. And they are overwhelmed with sadness. They are aware now of the stranger's presence and they are shocked that he does not know of all the things that has happened. Astonished that this man has not heard about the events in Jerusalem they resume their walk, now as a trio, and the disciples recount the story of Jesus. All that he had done, everything that had happened to him, to this stranger in their midst. And as they end the, near the end of the story, with the news that Jesus' tomb was empty... And that the angels had told them that Jesus was alive once again. Jesus finally interrupts them. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus basically says, Hello, are you not paying attention? What is it going to take for you to understand all that Jesus taught? And how it underlined what the prophets have already said. And then, this stranger, who we know to be Jesus, schools these disciples on what they should already know. Luke does not point out the specific passages that Jesus used to help these disciples understand the bigger point of his life, death and resurrection. Because the truth of the matter is, there's too many different examples throughout Scripture That would capture the point. On this topic, one biblical scholar says, the pattern of life emerging from death is, in fact, a fundamental pattern of the entire biblical narrative. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll see again and again and again, life emerging from the clutches of death. These disciples, these followers of Jesus have walked with this stranger for quite a few miles at this point and they still do not recognize Jesus. They have listened to him break open and shed new light on the stories that they, just a few minutes ago, had been telling him and they still do not recognize him. But evening, the text tells us, is approaching. And these men have an intrinsic understanding of hospitality. And their eagerness to keep talking, to keep trying to understand, leads them to invite this stranger to stay with them. To come and enjoy a meal after a long journey so that he will continue to be safe. It is at this point during this meal that they share that they begin to truly recognize Jesus. After he takes bread, breaks it, blesses it, and shares it with them, their eyes are opened. Meals in the Gospel of Luke are a hallmark of how Jesus interacts. And, he, and a biblical scholar concludes that this account follows the same pattern. These meals that happen all throughout Luke, including and culminating in this one, evoke the longed-for gathering of Israel and express the inclusive spirit of Jesus' own mission. The full revelation of who Jesus is and what his death and resurrection mean, come at the meal. Jesus' words and gestures are the same as at the feeding of the 5,000. They are the same, and they are reminiscent of the final Passover meal that had just taken place a few days ago. Each of those times and throughout the story of Scripture, Jesus takes bread, he breaks it, He blesses it and gives it to them. I think it's important to notice that recognition of Jesus did not come and did not happen because of the teaching on the journey. It wasn't the words of Jesus that helped them to recognize him. They didn't recognize him because of a miracle. He didn't heal their wounds, he didn't raise someone from the dead, he didn't heal an illness. They weren't blind and now suddenly could see. It wasn't Jesus' radiant smile and winning personality. It was a small, familiar thing. It was the breaking of bread, blessing it, and sharing it with them. It was the small Familiar things that helped them to recognize the truth that journeyed with them from Jerusalem to Emmaus. These disciples heard the stories of the empty tomb and the encounter with the angels who said Jesus was alive. They walked with Jesus and listened to him once again teach them about God's designs for relationship with creation. But they could not recognize the good news of the resurrection present in their lives by themselves. They needed someone else to help them experience it. They needed the small familiar thing that grounded it in their experience of living. One biblical scholar notes that the good news of the resurrection makes no difference until it comes into our everyday lives, writing, Easter is no genuine celebration unless it touches the private wounds and the tragedies that are near at hand. Easter is not truly good news until it gets really personal, until it gets down to the local issues. When all is said and done, this is a story about how the truth of Easter belongs not on the front page of the newspaper with the top stories of the world, but also belongs on the back page, nestled among the good news stories, nestled among the items of neighborhood concern. This is a story of how the cosmic truth of Christ's resurrection comes home to a local issue, to a local experience, to a personal, lived connection. And it is experienced in the familiar things of everyday life. One of my preaching professors expresses it this way. When you are crawling your way through the pit of despair, Jesus may show up as a friend who gets down on her knees and quietly crawls with you. When you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus may show up as a man at the bank who takes your hands and leads you through the awful red tape of wills, insurance claims, and safety deposit boxes. When you are new in town, dreading the first day of middle school, Jesus may show up as the boy whose locker is right next to yours, who says, hey, want to join me and eat lunch together? My friend's dad was so proud of his Emmaus Road retreat that helped So many men experience the presence of Christ in their lives. And I say good for him. That is amazing. But my friends, my hope as we go forth this day is that you remember that you bear the good news of Easter in your every action. That you are the ones who might get down on your hands and knees and crawl with your friend in their despair. That you are the ones who might greet your friends and family and neighbors who are grieving and need help figuring out how to navigate the path ahead. You are the stranger on the journey whose small, familiar actions break open the good news of the resurrection in people's lives. There are so many people whose eyes are kept from seeing Christ in their lives today. Whose realities of living we might not fully understand. But given that, how do you treat the homeless? How do you greet the stranger? How do you comfort the grieving? Or brighten the day of someone experiencing despair? How do you come alongside your neighbors, friends, and family members in the everyday moments of life so that they experience the presence of the living living Christ at work in their lives? Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Let's be about the work of sharing this good news in grand, amazing ways, but more importantly, in the small, simple things that help everyone to experience Christ in their lives. Amen.